have a seat. Uh, we're continuing in our series, Meet Me on the Mountain, and tonight we are looking once again at this powerful man called Elijah, who was a man just like us, and tonight we are going to see especially how he was just like us, because if you've ever faced discouragement, if you ever faced uh, times where you wanted to run, and you wanted to give up, throw in the towel, that's it. Um, tonight you could relate to Elijah and where we are going to find him. I titled tonight, Restoring the Fight Within You. Restoring the Fight Within You. Uh, and it's going to be great. Paul said this in Hebrews chapter 12. Oh, that sounded proud, eh? I didn't mean it that way, but I meant in God's way. <laughs> I thought, oh, that didn't sound good. But anyways, the Lord will refresh us. He, Paul said this in Hebrews 12, 13, that, that we would not faint, that we would not be weary and faint in our minds. He was, con he was concerned about these young Christians. He was concerned that easily their minds would become weak. And that word faint actually uh, relates to, if you've ever seen a guitar or a violin, a stringed instrument, when the strings become loose, the instrument has no song. When the string becomes loose, the instrument is not able to be played or to, be, or to make music. And so in this unloosed sense, Paul is saying, I wish that your minds would not grow faint or become unloosed. Have you ever felt like your mind was unloose? Have you ever felt like your thoughts have just been just unwinding? <laughs> like, you know, like um, a, a bad rewind tape. Remember back in the days when we would rewind? Uh, my kids once upon a time, more so, Elisha had VHSs and um, video cassettes. And... <laughs> Most of the crowd's like, yes, we know. Um, video cassettes. And you didn't dare rewind them in the VHS machine because it would wear out the machine. So, you know, once this game, the stores would always want you to purchase something called the VHS rewinder so that your machine wouldn't burn out too soon. So we would take the machine, the VHSs out, and, and it was always that sound of... And sometimes our minds make that sound because we come unraveled. Sometimes our minds are just so tightly played out that we need to just have it um, released. And so Paul never lost his fight. While he was concerned for young unbelievers, he said this in 1 Timothy 6 and 12, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. Why? Because that's really what it's all about. The enemy tonight we're going to see will come. He will bring discouragement. He will come to cause you to lose your fight. What have you over the past year been fighting uh, over in your mind, in your heart, in your life? What has kind of weakened you? What has kind of made you passive, made you lose your, your oomph, your zeal? This is where Elijah is, is at. Elijah, he, he, for the past three years and a half, according to 
uh, James, there was a drought for three and a half years. More or less, he's been on the run, going where the Lord has directed him. He, he's running from who? Basically, uh, Jezebel and Ahab. But I like to look at it as not on the run, but he's been in, in hiding. He's been in God's incubator while he was building up faith, while he was becoming and being formed and shaped into the man of God that, wanted, that he wanted him to be. But during this time, he was supernaturally provided for right we saw by the, the by the widow by the ravens and um he he called he was able to call down fire this is just his his little snapshot of a biography of what we looked at in the past several weeks he saw 450 prophets of baal killed this is a good repertoire like I'd like to have a resume like this and when he was done all this he was able to pray down fire but you see Monday morning comes to all of us you have the Sunday morning fire you have the you have the the refilling and the enthusiasm of Sunday but Monday comes and Elijah lost his fight he was at the Monday morning staff meeting Ahab went and told Jezebel all that had taken place. Let's read it. First Kings chapter 19, 1 to 8. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me and more also if I don't make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid and he arose and he ran for his life and came to Beersheba, where, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. Some of your translations may say under a juniper tree. And he asked that he might die. It's enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he laid down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on, some, on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again and second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and he ate and he drank and went on the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the Mount of God. Now, we could just park and preach on the 40 days and the 40 nights, and we won't, okay? Because there's a lot in the Word of God on the 40 days and the 40 nights, but we won't. Do you catch what happened to him? But he himself, or excuse me, um, then he was afraid and he arose and he ran for his life and came to Beersheba, verse 3, which belongs to Judah. And left his servant there, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree, and he asked that he might die. He was so discouraged, he had what we would call in today's term these suicidal thoughts. My life has no purpose, I just want to die. I just want to end it all. That's a person in quite a deep place of depression. 
He's in quite a deep place of depression because he just sees no more purpose. You see, he, he had a narrow-minded vision of his life and calling. He saw that he had to give a message to Ahab. He did that. He then saw that the next thing, the, the desire in his heart was to see a move of God amongst God's people. And so he really desired that they would experience God and that they would worship him alone. And what did we discover last week? That he proposed to them, okay, build an altar to your God. I'll build an altar to my God and we'll see who answers by fire. And so we saw that God came through and he was desirous that God's people would experience this reviving. But Ahab and Jezebel, Ahab went to Jezebel, and he tells a story not as it should have been told. Ahab emphasizes, thank you, emphasizes on the killing of Baal's prophets rather than on the move of God that had taken place. You see, there's going to be times where people in your life may emphasize on the negative rather than what God did and what God is doing. And so Elijah Elijah is very discouraged and he is taken aback by the death threat of Jezebel. And he was driven by fear, and he runs for his life. He runs for his life because fear, what did we, we talk about when we looked at the book of Haggai? Fear can arrest us. It could stop us from what God is doing in our life because we are believing the false evidence that appears real. And so he believed that Jezebel had the power to get at his life. Stress and pressures can rob us of God's working power. You might be the only Christian in your family. You might be the only Christian in your workplace. And this could cause you to believe that you are defeated, that your, your, other, your efforts to win others to the kingdom of God have just not been effective enough. You don't see your, your workmates coming, coming into salvation. And so you think of yourself as not being effective enough. Family members that you've prayed for for years and years, they're just not coming into the kingdom. And so you think that, again, your, your efforts have not been effective enough. Maybe your, your issue is not with um, your effectiveness for the kingdom of God. Maybe your issue is that you've been praying and you just haven't seen answers to prayer. And there's one thing you keep holding on to, and you just unrelentingly pray for that, and yet year after year, you don't see the answer. Whatever be the situation where the enemy has you believing that you're powerless, or that God is not answering, or that God is not in the mix, that is where you could relate to Elijah. And so we're going to look at this, and how should we respond how should we respond if we're in a situation like Elijah and we're running for the hills and we find ourselves in a desert place and we say to God, you know what, just take my life. There's just no sense anymore in living. I haven't seen what I've been desiring. I'm not being used of you. Others are going ahead. I'm not going ahead. That's it, God, just take my life. That's it. If you're in that place like Elijah, 
Don't lose your rebound. Don't lose your rebound. When I was in high school, we, I used to play basketball. So believe it or not, I was the shortest. Well, that's not hard to believe as you look. And, and, and so when you're the shortest, you're always given the position of guard. But here's the thing. When you're not missing your rebound, the point of that is when you're shooting for the basket, the idea is if you, you want the ball to get into the basket. But if it doesn't get into the basket, you want to be sure to get the ball. If your team member, if the point person has shot to the basket, the first thing you want to do is rebound and get that ball so that you could perhaps do layup. Get that ball into the basket. Don't miss the rebound. You see, Elijah is missing the rebound here. God has used him to call down the fire of heaven. God has demonstrated his power. Then God used him to pray and to believe for the rain. And God again demonstrated his power. And, and Elijah thinks his call is over, but it's not yet over. Elijah is actually supposed to go up for the rebound. Go up to make sure that he acquires the ball. So what happens with, the, with playing basketball or with any type of sport, where, you, where your eyes are fixed, same with driving, in case you're not a sports person here, where your eyes are fixed is the direction you're going. That's why they say when you drive, keep your eyes on the road. Because if you don't keep your eyes on the road, you might veer over there. Because you're, you're looking over there. And so if your eyes are on the goal, you are going to go the direction of the goal. So if you follow with me with the basketball, if you're going to shoot a hoop and you're going to look towards the basket, that's the direction the ball is going to go. What happened to Elijah? He lost his perspective. He lost sight of his goal. You see, he wasn't keeping his eyes fixed upon God, in the moment there, he saw his opponent. His opponent was Jezebel. His opponent was the enemy. And so instead of seeing where the direction of where he was going, he saw Jezebel and he missed the basket. He missed the intended goal and purpose of his life because he got distracted by the Jezebel. He got distracted by what she was threatening to do. And the enemy will bring anything into your life that he can. And it will more often than not be a familiar situation so that he can distract you from the goal and the purpose that God wants you to do. The opposition. Sometimes you might be doing, going along well. You might be running along well. And then all of a sudden, the opposition comes in and distracts you how? By trying to avoid you from shooting the ball. Have you ever seen it on TV? The man's running for the, for the basket, for the layup, and then the opposite team members are trying to dodge him. The enemy will try to dodge you any way that he can so that you cannot get to the intended purpose that God has for your life. 
You might not play basketball. It might not uh, relate to you in the sense of basketball, but related in the sense of what is in your way, what keeps coming in front of you, what thought continually attempts to attack your mind day after day that interrupts the thoughts of that the Lord planted in your mind that morning in devotions. What assaults your mind the minute you leave the church service and you're driving home and you've just been fed the word of God and you feasted upon the word of God? What assaults your mind to interrupt what God has planted for you to feast on to cause the rest of your day to be aborted of the, of the vision that God wants? Sometimes it could be mistreatment. In sports, we call this a foul. A foul. When somebody, an inappropriate uh, act or uh, an, an, an unfair play is made upon a, a, a member of the team by often the opposing team, and the, and the referee will say, foul. Sometimes you could be mistreated. Sometimes in the church, and, and sadly we see it more often than not, people are mistreated and they leave the church. They leave their walk. They want nothing to do with God or other Christians because of the way the church family, the family of God, has treated one another. Elijah was distracted. How could we learn from Elijah? How could we respond? Watch our rebound. Watch our rebound and don't lose sight of the goal. Don't lose sight of where you are going. We have to pick up our game. We have to be ready to, when the, if we've missed, if we've tried and we've missed, pick up the ball and keep going. Keep in the game. The worst thing that a, a coach would ever want is when the team member would want to just walk off the court. As a guard because I was short, they always wanted the tall people to be center, right? Because they could do better in the basket. But somehow us guards that are short, we got to keep the other team from getting into our court, right? We had to be that offensive player. We had to protect them from getting to, to our court. But the one thing that I did like is that as the guard, when one of our players were going up for the basket, that I would be able to turn around and get the rebound. That I would be able to turn around and get a shot at the basket. Don't miss the basket. Rather than being defeated at the miss of the target, catch the rebound. Jezebel sent the message to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more so if I don't make your life as the life of one of them. And in other words, if I don't see that you're dead like they are dead, may that happen to me. May the gods do it to me. Pick up your game. Never, never give up no matter what threat has been thrown at your face. Matthew 14, 28 gives us the illustration of Peter. He, the, the Lord appears to them while they were in the boat. And when they see Jesus, what did they say? They, they, they thought he was a ghost. And Peter says, Lord, if it's you, would you bid me to come? And so the Lord says, okay, well, come. 
And as Peter's walking along, what happens to him? There comes a wind. Peter answered, Lord, if it is you, command me to come on the water. And he says, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, see, you go the direction of where you're looking. When he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and he cried out. When his eyes were removed from the Lord. You have to intentionally keep your eyes on the Lord. You have to intentionally, purposely look for Jesus in the picture of what you're facing. You see, it happened also when the children of Israel in in Numbers 13 were going to scout out Canaan. What happened to them when they scout out Canaan and they saw all the goods of the land? What else did they see? That they were much bigger than we were. And not only were they much bigger, but we saw ourselves as grasshoppers. And so that's how they saw us. How did they know that's how they saw them? Because that's how they saw themselves. You see, they got their eyes off of what the Lord was bringing them to. And all that they could see was the many Nephitalian, the, the many giants in the land. And it says, so they brought to the people of Israel, verse 32 to 33, a bad report of the land that they had spied out saying this, the land through which we have gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people that we saw in it are great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anarch, who come from Nephilim, and we seem to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seem to them. Their eyes were taken off the blessing of where God was bringing them, and their eyes were fixed on the Nephilim. Their eyes were so fixed on them that they saw themselves small and assumed that everybody else saw them small. So Elijah was no different. He was no different than Peter. He was no different than the spies. And we are no different than Elijah, Peter, and the spies. We too have been, have been at fault of not catching the rebound, not keeping our eyes on the goal. And we have been at fault of seeing ourselves as not as God has intended. Three years of waiting. Three years of waiting. Three and a half years to be specific of waiting that Elijah was waiting for God to move. And he had a day of triumph. A day of triumph where God demonstrated his power. And then what did he do after that day of triumph? He sat down and he says, I have accomplished nothing. Really, Elijah, in all that God has done inside of you over three and a half years, everything that God has grown inside of you, that seed of faith, how it has just multiplied and multiplied. Really, Elijah, how you were able to be so bold in in the face of your enemies when you were one against how many? Elijah, really, your life seems to be as nothing and now you wish to die? Really, Elijah? Is that you? You wish to die? You wish you see yourself 
as accomplishing nothing, we could relate. There, have been those, there are those here that could absolutely relate. Nobody knows the wish of death you put on yourself. And yet you do. But life and death is in the power of God's hands. It's not for you to wish it upon yourself because you perceive yourself not to be accomplishing. Stop and get your eyes back on Jesus so that you could see what he's doing in you and through you so that you could see the purpose that he has. Elijah prayed once for the fire. Once for the fire, the fire came. Seven times for the rain. Seven times for the rain. What if he gave up on the second time because it didn't come like the fire came on the first time? What if he gave up on the third time because it didn't come like the fire came on the first time? What if he, came, he gave up on the fifth time because the fire didn't come on the first, the rain didn't come as the fire did on the first time? We would not have seen the power of God come in the rain. We would not have seen the blessing of God come in the rain. We would not have seen that God so fortified him that he outran a chariot. Don't give up on your prayer because the answer hasn't come 10 years, hasn't come 15 years, hasn't come 12 years, 20 years. Don't give up on that prayer. It will come. It will surely come to pass. How it will play out, when it will play out, I don't know. But God has a plan. And what is he doing in your life while you are praying? What is he birthing in you? What is he birthing in others that are watching you while you are praying in that place of faith? See, it's never just about that isolated prayer. It's never just about what you are going to him for. But there's so much that is happening. There is a ripple effect. Like the rock tossed into the water. Once it hits the water and it skips, there is a rippling effect. Though we see only the effect of the rock and where the rock is going, we don't see the many ripples and the expanse that the ripples hit. Elijah gave up because Jezebel wanted his life. Hebrews 11, 24 to 27 said this, By faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Now get this, verse 27, you need to underline. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. He endured as seeing him who is invisible. Moses had some short-sighted moments in his life. All we have to do is go back to the Pentateuch and read it. We just have to read Exodus right through to Deuteronomy and, and see those moments that, that uh, Moses had. Likewise, Elisha had the same short-sighted moments. But can we be 
as Moses in this sake that we see the invisible God and we endure. I don't see him in flesh and blood. I can't reach out and touch him. I can't feel his hug and yet I'm going to endure. I'm not going to faint. I'm not going to be faint of mind, but I'm going to endure and believe in the invisible. Ahab told Jezebel that Elijah, what Elijah had done, and she was after him. We need to look to find Jesus in our dark times. What if in that moment, instead of Elijah running, what if in that, that moment he saw the invisible and he paused and he says, Lord, I saw you in the fire and I saw you in the rain and I was fed by the raven and you multiplied for the widow and you raised her son from the dead. And so God, I will stand firm now at believing in the God who acted in all of these moments over the past three and a half years. I will endure to the end. I will fight the good fight. What happened to Elijah? How, did he, how was his fight restored back? God made him to sleep. Verses four to five. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under the broom tree and he asked that he might die saying, it is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life for I am no better than my father's. And he laid down and he slept under a broom tree. He's in a desert. When you are in a desert place, when you are in a dry place in your life, any sort of shade is gonna do. And in his case, it was a broom tree. Likewise, for us, whenever, when we are in a, a spiritually, spiritually dry place, we'll look for anything to refresh us. But unfortunately, when we're in that dry place and we're weary and we're tired is when the enemy will come in like a flood. When you're tired, that's when your, your mind is most vulnerable. When you're tired, that's when the enemy really wants to wreak havoc. Have you ever tried to fall asleep on a, on, on a, on a mind that has been filled with so much? You can't fall asleep. But you're so tired and you want to fall asleep, but you can't fall asleep. Because the enemy is playing with you as you ruminate in your mind. And he wants to come at us in our hours of weariness. He wants to come at us when we're tired. And our tiredness can fog our ability to fight. And fog our ability to see God in the picture. And that's why Hebrews 12 and 3 warns us. Least you be weary and faint in your minds. Don't become weary. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says it this way. Therefore we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. In your desert place, when your eyes are fixed on God, he could still renew you. He could give you strength for that day. He could still bring you onward and forward. Isaiah 7 and 4 says it this way. Take care and be calm. Have no fear and do not be faint hearted. Don't give up. Never, never, never give up. Elijah's fight was restored because God fed him heavenly bread. 
Have you been fed from the heavenly bread? Have you, like, opened up the word of God and not just, you know, behold, the days are coming. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> First Kings 19, 5 the latter part of verse 5 to 8. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. Of course there was, because there was a raven and a bubbling brook. Of course there was, because there was a woman with just enough flour and oil to make the final, final meal. Why wouldn't there be a cake and a jar of water? It is the same God. When we are in that dry place, when we are in that discouraged place, the best place to go is the word of God because of course it will feed you because he's been faithful. He who is faithful, he will continue to be faithful did not Jesus say in John chapter 6, 32 to 35, he said to them this, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father. Not Moses, but my father. My father gives you the true bread from heaven, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Matthew 4, verse 4 says this, Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Where does a word proceed from, the mouth of God? Where do we find God's word? Right in the book that he inspired many writers to bring forth just for us so we can see what came out of the mouth of God. When we're discouraged, when we've lost target of the, of the basket, we, we go back and we feed on the heavenly bread. We get our perspective back. And we go back to where we experience God. You know what happened to Elijah? And this is where we wrap up. He went and found himself in a cave. Verses 9 to 11. And he lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he says, go out and stand in the mount before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by. We stop there for a moment. Behold, the Lord passed by. When you're, when you're overwhelmed and you're in that desert place and you've given up and you've, you're on the run for what seems to be your enemy, feed on his word 
Get back your perspective and go back to the place of when you've experienced God. And in other words, remind yourself of the days. Didn't David say, I remember when I led the multitude, the throngs to the temple of the Lord. Oh, my soul, why are you so downcast within me? Look to the Lord. David encouraged himself. Remind yourself of those times when you experienced the power of God, those times when the Lord lifted you up, those times when he gave you his word. That's why I like to write a date beside a verse. One day I was really discouraged several years back. And so I picked up my Bible and I started at Genesis and I went through the whole Bible and I looked at every time I wrote down a date. And I'm going to tell you that that night I had a youth service and you know what I preached on? Every promise God gave me through those years. Why? Because I wrote a date. And I wrote a date. And those dates were remembering the experiences of my caves and how the Lord brought me out of the cave. And so behold, the Lord passed by. The Lord passed by. And Jeremiah says, if you seek me, Jeremiah 29, 13, if you seek me, you will Find me. If you seek me, you'll find me. Look for the Lord. And so quickly, um, verses 12 to 16, the Lord passes by. After the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak, went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? Don't you love it when the Lord shakes us and goes, what are you doing? What are you doing here, Elijah? I've been very jealous for the Lord and the Lord of hosts for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I even only am left and they seek my life to take it away. And what did the Lord say to him? Pay attention. Go. Return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael to be king over Syria, and Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of, uh, of the next place, you shall anoint to be the prophet of your place. What happened to Elijah when he put his focus on the God, on the Lord, when he ate of the bread, when he put his perspective in place, when he recalled to himself the things of God's experience? You know what? The vision and the purpose of his life was renewed. He saw himself as the unemployed prophet, but God said, no, 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 your job's not done here yet. I've got another job for you to do. I've got another job for you to do. There's two other kings that need to be anointed. And guess what, Elijah? There's a prophet waiting for a touch from you. There's your your successor that's going to come alongside, and he needs your touch i'm gonna operate through him elijah your call's not over he heard god's voice it wasn't in the big thundering 
It wasn't in the earthquake. It was in the stillness of God's voice. Adam knows the sound of God's voice in, in Genesis 3 verse 8. He heard the voice of the Lord. And, and Samuel did not Samuel hear the voice of God. And when he heard the voice of God, he said, here am I, Lord. The little guy was in bed. Elijah, the priest who should have been teaching him of hearing the voice of God, wasn't, excuse me, Elijah, the priest who should have heard the voice of God, wasn't hearing the voice of God because he was too busy sleeping. But Samuel heard the voice of God. And he, thankfully, Eli, um, Eli called him into next time, because three times he went to Eli, and Eli said, The next time, say, Lord, here am I. Are you hearing the voice of God? We need to hear the fresh sound of God's voice. Elijah said, and I heard the voice, excuse me, Isaiah said in, in Isaiah 6 verse 8, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, here am I, here am I, send me. Are you in that place tonight that you are hearing the voice of God? Are you hearing the voice of God? Can you come out from that place of saying, oh Lord, just, just take my life. Jesus and his disciples heard the voice at the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew 17. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to him. Listen to his words. Listen to what he has to say to you. Just open up the Bible and start marking it. Whenever he speaks to you, put a date beside that verse so that you can have a testimony on the days that you could return to. We need to hear the voice of God. I told you already of the story of, of knowing the sound of our bird and therefore we were able to find our bird. But there's another story. It's, an, it's just an analogy story of a man uh, during the days when they would uh, deliver ice through the trains and this man had a watch and he lost his watch. And uh, so all the men were looking uh, for the watch and no one could find the watch. And so they said to the man who lost his watch, give up, forget about it. None of us could find it. Perhaps it's not here. Perhaps it's elsewhere. But one, one young fellow stayed behind. One young fellow stayed behind. And when everybody came back from their lunch break, he says, I have found the watch. And they says, where did you find it? We looked everywhere for it how is it that you found it he says when you all left i stopped and i laid down and i listened until i heard the ticking and when i heard the ticking i went towards the sound and there was the watch Sometimes you know what you have to do? There's one thing that stood out to me in this passage. And it wasn't necessarily that Elijah did it intentionally. But he went away. He went away from the people. He ran from them. Sometimes you know what? You need to run. Although he was running away from Jezebel because of the fear of her killing him. I see there that sometimes we have to run from the distraction of those that seem to be after us. And we have to get away from the sound of the people so that we can hear the sound of God. Because he has a purpose and a plan. 
He has a purpose and a plan. Are you hearing the voice of God tonight? Could you go home tonight and read, reread verses 1 to 18 and say, Lord, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? And afterwards, when you sit quietly, would you just write in the margin of your Bible or in your journal, write the first thing that you hear God saying to you. And then put a date there with one word, victory ahead. Oh, that's two words, victory ahead. There's more. There's another job after this. Listen to the voice of God. Hear what he is saying. Father God, we thank you for Elijah. We thank you for how you used him, God, to just inspire us that tonight we could pause and say, though the enemy may come in like a flood, O oh God, you will raise up a standard against him. And Lord, tonight the standard is your voice, your voice that prevails over the voice of the enemy, the voice of the enemy that wants us to give up, the voice of the enemy that wants us to throw in the towel and lose our perspective. But tonight, Lord, we fix our eyes on you, the author and finisher of our faith. And we just believe that, Lord, through you, great things will be done. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.